Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. From the den, this is The Howl. We would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. All audio equipment on The Howl is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. All right, so now we take a look at the game that was the Wolves versus the Utah Jazz. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I did not expect us to win this game. You talk about how not only was Jimmy Butler not going to play, which, you know, that is that is what it is at this stage. He's going to miss games. Um, not only that, but then five minutes before the game starts, you actually find out that Tyus Jones isn't going to play, which uh, throws a little bit of a wrench in there because now uh, you're down a point guard. But on top of that, Jeff Teague was out. And uh, we don't even know how much time Jeff Teague is going to miss, although it does sound like it's more of a day-to-day thing. We don't know for sure. Tyus Jones uh, was just uh, having some foot pain, nothing serious it sounds like. My guess is he'll be available for the next game. Uh, same with Jimmy Butler it sounds like. I think I think with Jimmy Butler, though, most of his problems are he got a lot of backlash for deciding to be a child about the way he was handling things. And uh, eventually he said, yeah, maybe I won't be a child anymore. Maybe I will decide to continue to play and support the team that's paying me and my teammates that uh, are going out there night in and night out. So until you're traded, how about you just be an adult, do your job, take your money, and play basketball games? Not rocket science, if you ask me. But that's just one person's opinion. Specifically looking at the game, though, going into it, all these reasons combined – I was not feeling like we were going to get a win. And I I will say this. One thing you also didn't expect to see last night was a 50-point performance from Derrick Rose. Absolutely phenomenal. I will say this. 
there was a point in the game where he hit like it was like 30 or 33 points. And I remember saying to myself as I'm watching this, I think he's going to get 50. Now, again, that's just, you know, it's hyperbole. It's not like I'm I, I'm like, oh, yeah, he's, he's getting it. It just was like, I, you know, the thought started to creep into my head because the usage rate was so high. They were, I mean, he was being he was being used very similarly to what you see with Jimmy Butler. Uh, now, I, I liked it. It was very fun to see. And, you know, there's lots of things to like about last night's game. And so let's, you know, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's dive right in to uh, kind of how the game went. So again, lots to like out of this one. So one thing, you know, Jim Pete pointed this out in this broadcast was that Derek Rose clearly has been working on his three point shot. You're definitely seeing a better arc than you did to start the season. <clears throat> when I was at one of the home games recently, I noticed uh, specifically he rarely missed when it came to uh, practice shots, uh, you know, before the game started when he's hitting. So if you go there early enough, for, for those that don't know this, if you go to the games early enough, you can actually see uh, the players practicing. Now, not every player goes out there and practices, but you do see a number of players that do go out there and, you know, ahead of time. Taj Gibson's out there quite a bit. I'll see Gorgie Jang. You'll see a few players usually from the opposing teams as well. But Rose was out there in, uh, I, think, I believe it was the Bucks game I was at specifically. And it was really cool because he's hitting shots left and right. Now, again, the one thing I had noticed earlier in the season is when he would shoot, it would look way different than what I was seeing when he was practicing. And in that game, I will say it did look different. When he's practicing, it's a much better looking jump shot. So his release is better. He's getting more arc on it. So it's clear that he's able to do it. It's a bit of that old uh, Ricky Rubio syndrome where you watch Ricky play when he was a Timberwolf and he couldn't miss shots. You know, in practice, he's hitting every single shot he takes. Uh, Derek Williams was another guy that you watch him in, in practice and he can make shots. And then in games, it's all different. So what was cool about Derek Rose in this game specifically, uh, and, and actually more recently too in some of the other games, is you're starting to see him be a little more consistent from three. You know, I've had a lot of people, let's let's talk about Wolves fans on Twitter, that have told me, oh, he can't, there's no way he can keep up this this offensive output. And because of that, I don't like him. Or because of that, uh, you know, he's always going to be a, a negative player. There's nothing to like about Derrick Rose. Well, now granted, it, I, I, I will say one thing in, in their defense. I, I agree there, that Rose does have to get better in facets of his game. But, you know, and he's not going to score 50 points every single game. But he scored 50 points in this one. And so I, I really appreciate he was able to do it inside, outside. You know, he mixed in mid-range shots. The fact that he was able to hit threes helps open up the lane for him because he's a threat out there and guys have to come out to him. So that was huge. And one thing that was cool in this game is you saw this a lot, and, and Derrick Rose is, is huge for this, but he was willing to just go in and take on Rudy Gobert, and he was successful time and time and time again, which is really, really cool. The, the success he was able to have at the rim was really impressive. Now, you're always going to have a few shots. You know, Towards the end of the game, there was a specific play I'll mention. He doesn't, it wasn't a drive, but he did try to get kind of a um, – uh, not a last second, but the shot clock was dwindling. It's probably like maybe six seconds left. And he tried to get a shot up over, a mid-range shot over Rudy Gobert. It did not go well. It ended up being a shot clock violation, actually. So it wasn't 100% successful. I mean, but that's for sure. But it was very, very successful. So much fun watching him uh, put up these points. Uh, and again, you really, what was cool is from the get-go, the Wolves were super involved in this game. They were able to build a 10-point lead early on in, you know, the first, second quarters, which is really cool to see. Now, it's a, there's a reason why they play 48 minutes. 
There's a reason why some people watch the games and say it always comes down to the end. But you had a lot of points within uh, this ball game that were, were a ton of fun to watch. And, and you know, besides Derrick Rose. So one thing that was a little interesting. So we, we talked about how Tyus Jones was ruled out about five minutes before the game. Now, at that point, it's too late to really be able to do anything as far as point guard is concerned. You're missing Jeff Teague. Now you're missing Tyus Jones. Obviously, Derrick Rhodes starts. The next guy up, if you had uh, you know an emergency point guard you were going to use, that would be Jared Terrell, who's you know he's still with the team because Iowa has not started yet. But you can't. There's no time to activate him and inactive. You know, make uh, Tyus Jones inactive because this is right before the game. So in this instance, the player that we used as kind of like that emergency point guard that backed up Derrick Rose was C.J. Williams. It did not go well. C.J. Williams did not look comfortable at all. In fact, when I initially watched this game, I just remembered thinking to myself, wow, C.J. Williams looks bad. Like this is, it's unfortunate that they're ended up using him because he just looks like he really looks out of sorts. And then I had someone point out to me, like, did you realize he was playing point guard? And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that. Watch the game back. And 100%, and it's not like he's a guy that's going to be able to create. The next guy on the roster that did play that you could probably use in this type of role would be Josh Okogi because he actually was the main ball handler a lot um, at his school. The the issue you run into, of course, is Josh Okogi is playing so well, you don't want to go out and just change his role this early on when he's having so much success. So I appreciate that they did that, and they didn't move him to the point guard position. The one thing I'll add, though, James Nunnally, I thought, was really, really good with the ball in his hands, makes very good decisions. Now, he hasn't played much this year. Either has C.J. Williams. But I think if, if a situation like this occurs again, which hopefully it doesn't, but if it does, I would say that James Nunnally is the player to use here. I thought he was very smart with the basketball, makes good cuts, uh, sets up pick and rolls really well, moves the ball, and he just is a very good decision maker. I was very impressed with his high IQ. One thing that's kind of funny when you look at both James Nunnally and then Anthony Tolliver is when they come onto this team, you're thinking, all right, these guys are going to be like three-point specialists. I mean, we know that you're going to get Anthony Tolliver defense. He's a solid, solid, a decent defender, and he's able to get in position to take charges. He does a lot of those little things. But the three-point shooting just hasn't really happened much yet. Not specifically that Tolliver hasn't taken threes when he's been in. He has, but truly open shots have been really tough to come by. Like, not only last night, was really never open. Like, really, really open from three. And and that's something that you hope maybe can change down the road. Maybe if they're used more. I don't know. He had a nice play, though, not only did where he drove the lane and had a really nice finger roll. And it was after a lot of really good ball movement, which was one thing you really saw from the Wolves last night was really, really good ball movement. Uh, diving deeper into this one, uh, a few more things we got to talk about for sure would be uh, poor refing. Specifically, if you look at the now throughout the game, I think there was a number of calls, probably on both teams though. You know, there was a, earlier in the game, Jay Crowder actually had called for a technical foul, and and he he had it, it's to me watching the game uh, from home, it certainly seemed like he swore at the officials. So I get why he got a technical foul. I think that made a lot of sense. Uh, the goofy part was though, not really goofy, I guess, but uh, he was definitely a little justified because one hundred percent. Wiggins fouled him on the shot. So he was completely justified. Now, that was one specific instance. Throughout the game, though, when I watch Utah Jazz basketball, I find myself, like, cringing a bit because the way they choose to play, lots of whining, lots of uh, flopping. It's really, really unfortunate. Not the brand of basketball I love, uh, whether it's, you know, Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio. There was – it was in the – I believe it was in the second half, Ricky Rubio – 
completely flopped on a play where Carl Towns was kind of guarding him in the post. Carl Towns kind of, you know, put his hand up against him a little bit, but by no means should he have fallen. And Ruby, like, flies to the floor like he just got body checked. And it's funny, when Ricky Rubio was here, you love Ricky Rubio, and I still do. I'm, I'm, I'm one of his biggest fans, and I always will be. But when the guy, when the player's not on your team, you really, really start to notice it more. Uh, another good example of that would actually be, for anyone that's a baseball fan, A.J. Pruszynski, uh, he would be one example of a guy that just, like, when he's not on your team, you really don't like him. He's, he's very hateable. He's very dislikable. But when he's on your team, you're like, all right, I get this. All right, I like this. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few exceptions, by the way. I think let's look down at the L.A. market. You think of uh, one guy that comes to mind specifically for the Wolves is Lance Stevenson. When he was here, you're just like, all right, let's go. Like, like basketball-wise, basketball-wise. We're not talking off-the-court stuff. But basketball-wise specifically, he's one of those guys that gets under your skin, and you want him on your team. But now, you know, he's with the Lakers, and it's like, ugh, don't want anything to do with that guy. And then the second player, and actually, I will argue, this is the, one of the few players where even if he was, like, on my team, I'm not sure I could root for him. And that's Patrick Beverly because he's such a dirty player. So certain players can kind of get away with it. But that's one thing I dislike about the Jazz. I'm big fans of what they do. I think the Jazz are a really talented team, and it makes this win by the Wolves that much more impressive that you're able to get a win against such a, a good team. And the, and the Jazz have played well this year. In fact, they hadn't won a game at home. They were 0-2, but they hadn't lost a game on the road. So that just makes this win that much more impressive. Uh, so a pretty cool thing to see, uh, no question about it. Um, but again, just their style of play at times is a little frustrating for me. One thing I noticed when you talk about the first half versus the second half was Donovan Mitchell was was very effective in the second half, specifically in the third quarter. Because in the fourth quarter, actually, he sat quite a bit, and I I do believe he was he must have been dinged up. They talked about it during the broadcast. They said, well, if he's wearing um, a heat pack or an ice pack, determines whether or not he's maybe coming back in. He did not end up coming back in, and. While I will say that definitely made a made a difference, I do think that definitely helps. Um, on top of that, the the one thing I will mention is that Josh Okogie played such good defense that there were good stretches where he was shut down completely. I mean, he was really shut down. So it's not like it's one of those things where I think he's he's not. It doesn't sound like Donovan Mitchell's anything serious, but he did end up uh, you know staying up for part of that game. So that that definitely played an impact, I think, a little bit. But you got really good. Um, Really good contributions from a lot of the Jazz players as a result. Back to the initial point, though, you know, to move on from the, the way the Jazz played and things like that was the, the poor refereeing. It was just like in the fourth quarter specifically, it seemed like anytime there was any sort of like a 50-50 call where, you know, it's kind of like uh, maybe one way or maybe the other, every single one of those calls went to the Jazz. You know, there was a play where Josh Okoge got run over, which uh, ended up being a pretty good call. But going live, I couldn't see this at all. So I credit that the official that caught – Derrick Rose actually shoving, uh, I think it was Joe Ingles, just shoving Joe Ingles into Josh Okogie. So if that shove hadn't happened, number one, maybe the contact doesn't happen. But two, if the contact does still happen, I think Josh Okogie gets that call. There was the other one where Donovan Mitchell uh, drove the lane. This was in the third quarter, I believe. Donovan Mitchell drove the lane and kind of, to me anyways, watching it, I thought he put his shoulder into Okogi. Now, Okogi wasn't necessarily square. By, in fact, he was not square at all. He was kind of, uh, kind of perpendicular, kind of sideways. But I still felt like Donovan Mitchell was kind of out of control. And I think, again, that was a 50-50 call. I, it could have gone either way, and I, I don't think either player could have really been necessarily upset. But just another example of where the 50-50 calls were really hurting the Wolves because we couldn't get any of them. 
Uh, Anthony Tolliver, another one. He had a couple plays where I thought he was in great position for a charge because that's one of the things he's done really well this season is draw charges. And he was he didn't get the call. It ended up being blocks both times. And then uh, speaking of blocks, later in the game, Anthony Tolliver had a fantastic block. I mean, a really, really impressive block. But after he hits the ball, he hits Rudy Gobert's wrist, and they call a foul. And, and that you can't – come on, that's ridiculous. The, the plays where you're going to call a foul because a, a player's hand goes through the ball and then hits a guy is when it's something more egregious. And, and that wasn't egregious. That was a bad call. You know, I, I saw some Jazz fans that were like, well, that's a foul, obviously. Well, you know what? It's not. It should not be called. And if we're going to call stuff like that, man, I just don't know what to say. I just think that changes the game quite a bit to call stuff like that. So, me personally, I hope that doesn't consistently call things like that. I hope it was one of those plays where the ref just kind of saw it one way. But throughout the game, I really, really felt like uh, the Wolves, uh, I should say specifically more in the fourth quarter, that we really had kind of a raw end of the deal um, as far as 50-50 calls were concerned. And I think that hurt us quite a bit. Um, You know, looking at uh, uh, specifically in the middle of the game, uh, for good reason, he played such a good game. Derrick Rose got uh, interviewed at halftime, and one thing he gets knocked for is his defense. He preached. Now, when they interviewed him, you know, he talked about how he's really he really worked hard in the offseason on his jump shot, and I think that's very much proven by the way he's played this season. His mid-range, his three-pointer, I mean, the guy is just shooting at such a high, high level so far. Hopefully he can keep that up, but after that, they asked him what's going to be the key to winning this game to keeping up this effort, and he said defense, team defense specifically, is going to be so important in that second half. And, again, they didn't. I'm not going to say the Wolves played great defense in this one, but Derrick Rose puts in the effort. Not that Jeff Teague doesn't, but I just feel like Derrick Rose is on a different level as far as effort is concerned, as far as defense is concerned. Uh, Jeff Teague, to me, seems more like a – and this is extreme – but he's more he, – I would say he's closer to like a Kevin Martin where it just – I don't know that it's always there for him. And I, I got to watch that closer. I don't want to call it Jeff Teague because I'm a big Jeff Teague fan. I like him as a person. I love him as a player. But there's something about the way Derrick Rose plays both ends that I feel like the Wolves as a team are better with Derrick Rose starting at point guard than they are with Jeff Teague. So I don't hope that Jeff Teague's out a long time. I hope he's back sooner than later. But ultimately, I do think the team is actually better with Derrick Rose running the point. And I, I just appreciate that he realizes just how important defense is. Now, in this game, of course, there wasn't a lot of defense played by either team. Not that it was an effort thing. I do think that both teams put up the effort, but we're so good offensively. I think that makes a difference. And the Wolves just, at this stage anyways, they just aren't great defensively. And part of the reason is, you know, when you're missing as many players as you are, whether it's injury, whether it's, you know, Jimmy Butler just not giving a damn, uh, you know, you're missing guys, and it changes the way it works. One thing I'll mention throughout the game, you know, Carl Towns, we talk about uh, Derrick Rose and how good he was, but both Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins really, really impressed me throughout this game. I thought they had very good games. Uh, the one thing specifically from Towns, though, is a lot of times when he misses, it's like he tries to quick shoot it a little too much, which is it's one thing when you're doing a, if you're doing like a floater shot, but when he does it, it's not a floater. It's like a legit jump shot, mid-range or three-point, and I've noticed – Part of the problem when he does that is he's not using enough legs and he's using a lot of upper body and he ends up missing it almost like he's – a lot of times he's short on those, but other times it almost looks like he's aiming and it just doesn't seem real fluid. So I think for Towns to take that next step in terms of consistency. Now, he's a fantastic three-point shooter. He's a very good jump shooter, but at times I think he just needs to slow it down a little bit. 
But one thing was for sure that when, when Jimmy Butler's not playing, both Wiggins and Towns play better. 100% they play better. They seem more engaged. They're having a much better time. There's a lot to love about games where Butler doesn't play. And again, the sooner he's traded, the better. You know, a, a couple things towards the end of the game that I'll mention. MVP chance. So I'm not sure what this is about Wolves games, but consistently fans will start chanting MVP. Number one, at really awkward times. Um, like, like when our players at, a, at the free throw line, and, you know, Jeff Teague and a couple of the players on the bench were like, imploring fans when Derrick Rose is trying to make free throws at the end of the game, like, be quiet, stop, be quiet. But specifically, stop with the MVP chance when guys are at the line. Earlier in the game, Derrick Rose is at the line, and we're chanting MVP. Like, I get it, he's having a good game, but come on. Like, let's not just throw these MVP chants out the, you know, out there. You know, when, when Kevin Love was with the team and he's putting up masterful numbers, when Kevin Garnett was here and he's winning us ball games, that's one thing, but at a certain point, like, come on. Let's let's be a little let's make a little more sense here. But specifically, when guys are shooting free throws, don't chant it. Then, this is a guy that needs to focus and needs to make free throws. And I'm sorry, but when you're yelling when he's doing that, it's just not helping anything. I've been at games where I'm like imploring other fans in my section to be like, calm down, quiet, quiet. There's no reason to do this, and they don't listen. And guys miss a free throw, and the first instinct I have is thanks, way to go. So if you're at a game, just don't do that. It just doesn't add anything. It's just, there's no point. So be better, Wolves fans. We don't need to chant MVP all the time for random players, but we also don't need to chant when our home players are at the free throw line. There's a reason why when the, I'll end with this on this this portion. There's a reason why they have the howl meter when the opposing team is shooting free throws because the whole point is to get loud, to get rowdy, so that they miss free throws. So don't do that when we're shooting. Just be quiet. Let them focus. Let him make his free throws. Uh, the last thing we'll touch on quick here with this game is, if you have not seen it, definitely watch the interview to end the game. Derrick Rose is in tears, and it was it was just such, to, for me anyways, it was such a special moment, and I, I, I thought it was really cool. I've watched the game twice now. I, I was so enthralled by the way the Wolves played against the Jazz, and a very cool moment uh, for Derrick Rose. If you haven't seen some of the interviews out there, you know, LeBron James did about a minute and a half interview so if you follow me at the Sportsman on Twitter, I did retweet it yesterday. That's kind of interesting where he's just like, congrats to that guy after everything he's been through. They talk um, you know, on Twitter. There's a number of guys that, that came out and said stuff. Steph Curry, Dwayne Wade, a bunch of guys. It was a really cool. Scottie Pippen, you know, another, another former Bull. So uh, it was a really cool moment, and I, I really appreciated that. I thought that was a, a cool thing for some of those other players. And what a cool moment for Derrick Rose, who you know, the last couple of years has had his ups and downs, whether it was – you know, the issues he had with uh, the Knicks, whether it was the issues he had then when he was at the Cavaliers, and, and people were thinking about maybe he was going to retire. Uh, so it, it was a cool moment for Derrick Rose, and it was a cool moment for anyone that was at the game. I, I'm sure you had an awesome time. Now, let's uh, dive a little bit more into the, the, the statistics from both teams. First, we'll start off with the star of the game. So Derrick Rose, you, you hear about before this game how Tom Thibodeau's hoping to use him less so he's trying to get him down to more like 26 minutes a game, probably for longevity's sake, you know, because he's obviously a player that's had a lot of injuries. Obviously, that was not the case in this game because it couldn't be. You were just too shorthanded. But 40 minutes, uh, 4 of 7 from 3, which is fantastic. 19 of 31 from the field, 8 of 11 from the free throw line. Four boards, obviously 50 points, and six assists, two steals, a block. Uh, only four personal fouls. Uh, he did have six turnovers, but... You know, like Jim Peterson pointed out during the telecast, 
when you're as aggressive as he is, you're going to get some turnovers. So it happens. Uh, plus, he was a plus 10 in this game. Uh, plus 12 was the leader for the Timberwolves. That was Josh Akogi. Josh Akogi, I am just such a fan of his. I, I just There's so many things to like about his game. Uh, in this one, uh, his big thing was his defense, but he was 4 of 5 from the field. Uh, how about Andrew Wiggins? 3 of 5 from, from deep, and some of those shots were really deep. Uh, 8, of 7, 8 of 17 overall. He, so 19 points. How about this stat? Six rebounds for Andrew Wiggins. That is a nice step in the right direction. Uh, a good job to get things done the first game back. Now, only one assist, so you would like to see him pass more. But the way the game flow worked, I don't know that Andrew Wiggins had a ton of opportunities to be active in terms of getting assists. So I do appreciate, though, that he was able to grab uh, six boards. Uh, also, uh, one block and two steals. Now, Andrew Wiggins was a minus nine, surprisingly. I don't know what the specifics were for why that happened. I know he did play with the bench a little bit, so maybe the staggering hurt him a, a little bit. But that was that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, but again, single game plus minus is such a wasted stat. I mean, it, there's not a reason to necessarily use that for much. How about Carl Towns, uh, the other big big player here? Nine of seventeen from the field. He finished uh, four of nine from three. Really looked good from three. And I think if we talked about earlier. If he had just been a little more uh, calm and a little less rushed, I think that number probably raises to five or six threes because he had some open looks. Uh, but he finished with 28 points, 16 boards, four assists, two steals, two blocks. He's actually fourth in the league currently, averaging about two and a half blocks a game. So very impressive um, in this game uh, what you were able to get out of uh, Carl Towns. So. Uh, I, I really enjoyed what you got from a lot of players in this game. Uh, you know, the one interesting thing was Gorgie Jang only playing seven minutes was a little surprising, especially when you're shorthanded a bit. But, again, uh, it was kind of an interesting game the way it worked out. So, And you won, so it's tough to really say, you know, one thing was a problem. I, it's, it's tough to really argue with things that happened on this game. Um, looking at some of their, you know, fan favorite Ricky Rubio, two of six, 0 of one from three. He really didn't do much. You know, five rebounds, five assists. Sorry, two rebounds, five assists, five points, uh, two steals, but six turnovers for Rubio, too. So turnovers definitely uh, were a struggle for him a bit. A minus seven. He was actually uh, not the worst. The worst was a Jay Crowder with uh, minus 14. So how about that? That's not exactly ideal, but you got some pretty good value out of Jay Crowder off the bench. Six of 13, five of nine from three. Finishes at 18 points, seven boards, one steal. I mean, Jay Crowder, the plus or minus does not tell the whole story. He was very good in this game. The three-point shooting that he gave you was phenomenal. Uh, Dante Exum, you know, when you start watching him play, man, he's really grown. <clears throat> not that he was a short player before, but, I mean, wow, he is tall. I bet it, I can't even imagine what it looked like at the game, and hopefully I can check it out when the Jazz do come back here. Uh, they don't come back, I believe, until the new year. So I, I was very impressed. Just in his stature, he is much taller, longer than I realized. Uh, another guy that that uh, that people really like, obviously, with the uh, Jazz, uh, you know, looking at their starters specifically, you got a lot of good shooting. And this t this talks about how the Wolves just don't play great defense at this point. You know, J Joe Ingles, 6 of 12. Rudy Gobert, 9 of 12. Now, Rudy Gobert, to be fair, doesn't take a lot of jump shots. He's taking inside shots. So that's a lot of that. Um, you know, Rubio is 2 of 6. He has had a really down year shooting, one of his worst of his career, actually. So not too surprising there. Derek Favors, 5 of 10. So... Really, really good shooting across the board for all of the uh, Jazz starters. So, I'm really impressive. But how about this stat line? Rudy Gobert, 22 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists. Donovan Mitchell, 26 points, 5 assists. So, 
what's really cool is how well the Jazz passed the ball. So think about this. Look at their starters. Five assists from Ingles, three from Gobert, five from Mitchell, five from Rubio, zero from Favors. But again, he's not really used uh, in that role necessarily. But a lot to like if you're a Jazz fan in this one. Again, uh, a very, very uh, special night uh, in what the Wolves were able to do. Final score in this one was 128-125. The Wolves do take it. You know, this probably could have been a a bigger differential in terms of points. You know, at halftime, the Wolves have a pretty nice lead, but that third quarter was really dominated by the Jazz. And then, obviously, the Wolves were able to do just enough in the fourth uh, to hold on. So a very fun game. If you had not seen the highlights yet of the 50-point performance by Derrick Rose, I definitely think you should check that out. Again, you've been listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. We are the Howl, and that does it for this week's This does it for our uh, review of the uh, Wolves-Jazz game. We'll come back at you on Saturday where we review the Warriors game coming up then. So until next time, let me get a howl.